John, so we um, we switched sides of the Atlantic in, in past like ships in the night. Indeed, I, I have a feeling that you expressly came to America when you knew I was coming to Europe. Why is that? Well, I have this foreign office alert set up that um, if you enter the country, it gives me sort of 48 hours notice to give me a chance to get out. Oh, I see. Interesting. <laughs> so you were travelling uh, to see your see your family, I, I believe, in Italy, but then you went to Amsterdam. Is that correct? I did. I did. I, I went to London and caught up with some folks there. Uh, I got to to see the uh, one of the Apple offices in London. Uh, yeah, it's a swanky office. Um, it's nice. And they have. I, I thought that I had had my life good with uh, these, you know, fancy Japanese washlets. But if you're an Apple employee in London, you can have coffee made under the control of an iPad software. You can you can dial in exactly how you want your flat white made. It was amazing. Cool. So this was a central London office, was it? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because I think Apple's main offices are um, in the UK or on uh, the outskirts of London or, or metropolitan London. Um, so this was a anyway. You probably can't tell us what the offices are for and whatever else, but uh, cool. So you you visited there and then you went to Amsterdam. Then, Amsterdam was a, was a celebration of uh, was it five years? Yes, it was. So there was this thing called Nerderland. So basically, Amsterdam has been is kind of past its five year anniversary. You know, I, I suppose a, a few months ago, maybe not that long ago, but uh, it's become it's become noticed. It, it has been for some time now, and so. Uh, I think that the the mayor the mayoralty of 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 Amsterdam the city of have have decided that that nerds are good for the city and they they think about all the the ferment that's going on now is is like a third golden age for them, so they they gave some support and and Amsterdam and some other organizations put this thing together called Nerderlands which is kind of a de a, a kind of a, a decentralized. Uh, Conference, meaning that it, it took place at lots of different locations throughout the city for a week, and the idea was is that you know if you're a nerd, come to Amsterdam and you can meet up with other nerds. No matter what your affiliation is, there'll be lots of things that are are very specific to things that you're interested in and more generalized things. Um, so I got there on Friday. It had already been going on for uh, a couple of days, but the thing that I I was able to attend uh, was a presentation by this guy named Eddie Codell, who uh, lives in San Francisco and, and is uh, among other things the founder of this thing called the Flying Robot Film Festival, which is uh, films made by and about drones, um, and that was really interesting, super well received. And then on Saturday there was a uh, a maker fair that was going on in, in yet another part of the renovated northern part of the city, and then uh, kind of a, a big bash, a big party for everybody, which was fun. So yeah, Amsterdam is 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 going going quite well still, and uh, Amsterdam continues to be a, a great a great city to live in and a great place to do business. So that was lots of fun. So just I mean you may not be able to answer this because obviously you're not involved and you visited for a few days but um you know when Amsterdam was set up um sort of five years ago the idea was to sort of create a a developer community in within Europe um sort of like a a central place where people could uh, go to be tech fine tech um, mm-hmm. A sort of Silicon Valley of Europe, but not driven by um, the money of VC capital, uh, cap- mm-hmm. capital, but driven by just the presence of developers, effectively. Um, and there was lots of uh, co-working space set up, and it was the idea was lots of surface surfing going on. Now, you know, 
that was th- that was the vision. We know that by time you're with five years in, you're sort of um, you know, you're not dealing with vision anymore. You're dealing with reality and how far you've got, and is it still the same as what it was then? So you know, give us a give us a health check on on what Amsterdam now is compared to its vision, and and maybe the vision of where it thinks it's now going to go, or as much as you know of that from being involved sure. a little bit. Well, I mean, you know, it, I haven't been in, in two years, and I would say that you know things are are they just kind of go. I mean, I think that the smartest thing that they did is to be able to say here are some regular things that will always happen. So you know, the, there will always be Saturday drop-in hours that are done, and, and that's where it, it's kind of like you know the labs that they have at at, at Alt or at Dub Dub, where you know, people who have expertise will will help other people. And I, I myself got tons of help two years ago, and, and you know, still going strong. There's the meeting and drinking, still going strong. There's the, you know, the, the the offices that they have are really nice, and so they they have pitch training and and and, and various meetups that are going there. So th- those things kind of take care of each other. It doesn't really. I think that the big difference that that I notice it, it, it's is that nobody has to cheerlead anymore, right? So when when they were first starting. People had to they had to explain over and over again what they're talking about, what it means to to build a developer community, why you want to, to kind of have these regular activities, and and to to kind of as much cheerly to people who are there, right? Because I think that part of the part of what was discovered is that there were plenty of people who were working in software who were you know uh, I, with small startups or people who were doing contract work for for people overseas, and, and there were certainly plenty of large companies, but there wasn't this idea that they were. You know, I think everybody thought, well, I'm the only oddball person there. In fact, there are plenty of oddballs. And if you hold up a mirror and and and, and show the oddballs to each other, they say, oh, well, there, there are lots of people like me. So I, I think that that that's the, the main thing that I notice. I think that, um, I, I, you know, another thing that I noticed is that there was a, a fellow named Greg. Craig Lotto, the American who has been living there for quite some time, and I'd seen some random posting of, of his on Facebook, and he was talking about uh, some some you know, efforts that Google had been making. The whole thing was shot in, in Amsterdam, so it was about uh, you know Google making it super easy for people to put beacons, you know, the Bluetooth beacons anywhere they want in the city, and, and opening up the the tools and for for making the network work and 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 software development kits to people to do whatever it is that they want to do with beacons. And, and Amsterdam is certainly a super, you know, tuned-in city for for open data. So I think that that it's a combination of a, enough visibility being made by by all the individuals in such a way that then the city is certainly is taken noticed and and uh, you know put forth their their efforts to to kind of help anybody that's involved in that type of thing. So the other the, so that's not just Amsterdam as an organization, but there were other ones there. And so if you take the totality of them. At any given day, there will be plenty of things for for somebody who's interested in any aspect of, of any technology that you can manage, manage imagine to to find some you know cohort of people and activities. So I think judging by that, you know it, it, it's been a great success. I think that if you're trying to, I can't really speak to the numbers and say you know how many companies have have gone with these exits. I think that that still you see the the the, the same kind of. The the co-working spaces that were there, they've actually grown, right? So I think that you know the 
when we were there, the you know the 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 co-working space thing they were working on was called um, I'm spacing now. Uh, I want to say bounce space, and it had been in the offices where Booking, which is a, a large booking company, um, had had started out. They of course moved on to bigger and better things, as did Bounce Space. So Bounce Space had a you know much larger footprint there. Um, the, the other thing that that I kind of noticed, and I I will include a video of it, a kind of fun thing is that uh, I, I guess you can you can say that that. Um, Amsterdam resembles, you know, Silicon Valley, San Francisco in, in some ways is that now you see so many services like, you know, there were at least three or four different f- on-demand food delivery services there. So I, I made a, uh, with, with Klaus, who you remember, uh, and, and some other folks made a kind of spoof video of, of, a, of a service that would tie your shoes on demand. So I think that that, you know, the, the idea of on-demand technologies has become so integrated in people's lives. You know, maybe that's the case in, in, in all European cities. But from that point of view, it seemed very much like San Francisco, except for with cleaner streets. Uh, you know, I didn't see any homeless people working public transit, um, just not as sunny a weather. So, you know, that, that's, that's my overall impression. It sounds cool. And it sounds really healthy. I mean, yeah, um, you know, it's... Uh, I mean, it started with lots of, uh, you know, a big bang and lots of noise and lots of energy and big personalities, um, which is what you need to start something. Um, but it sounds like it's now, you know, settled down into something that is very, you know, um, it may not have, you know, the fireworks every weekend and, and big flags flying, but it is incredibly profitable in a sort of holistic sense for, for those mm-hmm. who wish to engage in it um, uh, and has enough people engaged in it to, to make it. Uh, realistic and profitable. So that sounds like, yeah, that's really good that five years on um, this sort of idea that was sort of born in a bar um, is affecting and making developers' lives and technology people's lives, you know, a better place to be. Indeed. Well done, Amsterdam. Yes, well done indeed to all involved uh, now and uh, in the past and in the future, I guess, as well. We'll just, mm-hmm. uh, we'll congratulate those, whoever they may be. Okay, so um, while you were uh, in, in, in Amsterdam, which isn't very far from me um, in, in relative terms, um, I'd gone to Denver and to 360 iDev, uh, which I would say is probably um, the biggest uh, independent um, iOS developer conference out there. Now, uh, 360 iDev is run by uh, John and Nicole Wilker. I think this was their seventh year, so they've, they're pretty established, um, you know, know what they're doing. Um, and every year, John does a um, state of the conference talk where he talks about how many people were there, how much money they spent, all the rest of it. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't on the schedule, in the schedule app, and... Um, by time it sort of uh, someone noticed the mistake and, and, and it went in there, I was already out at a breakfast meeting. So I didn't get to go to that. So I can't tell you how many people were there or anything like that. It looked pretty big. Um, it's probably more what you would consider a, I suspect many, many of our audience have, have been there, John, but um, uh, you know, a, I'm going to use the word traditional conference. I'm not using that in a um, in any way saying, yeah, that's bad. It's just more like it's in a hotel, it's in a conference center. Um, it's multi-track, so three Sometimes actually some sessions, four tracks going on. And uh, yeah, the one thing I noticed is it's, it's unlike um, a lot of the conferences, um, again, and this is great because it means we get variety, um, that have gone maybe to more holistic talks or business talks or you know, environment talks or health talks. Um, 360 iDev is still very much 
focused around uh, tech talks. It's about the code. It's about the tools. Um, and it, it was very noticeable that the, the business talks and the more holistic talks were uh, attended um, not poorly, but the numbers were far lower than than, than the um, uh, the tech talks. Uh, and you know that that's an interesting um, thing. And, and I'm guessing a, a lot of the time, uh, just from when I ran NS conference, uh, you know the 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 balance for people is that you know conferences are not cheap. Okay, it's um, and it's not because conference organisers are trying to become rich because, you know, as, as John will tell you from the numbers and I can tell you from this conference, you, know, you don't make huge amounts of money. It is possible to make money um, and you should make money because you're putting your time, your risk, your effort into it. And I don't think anyone begrudges that. But you're not, you know, you, it's difficult to make large sums of money. So it's not like um, anyone's trying to rip anybody off. But, you know, the hotels are expensive, flights are expensive, you know, food is expensive, all of this. And, you know, that makes conference tickets expensive. And so I'm guessing the vast majority of people um, going to conferences get paid to go by their employer. So, you know, for, for several reasons, they don't have to find the money for the conference ticket. They don't have to find the money for five or six days hotel, which, you know, hotels in America are, are definitely more expensive than uh, European hotels, although the quality tends to be higher as well. Um and then equally, they don't have to take three, four, five days off work. So I'm guessing if you're being, you know, for many, many of us who, who, who you know, work for the man, if you're trying to get someone to spend, you know, what is effectively turns into, you know, thousands of dollars and, you know, a week off, you need to be able to justify while you're doing that. And, you know, the tech is easier than this um, holistic fluffiness as it may be seen by your boss. So that, that was, mm. that, but that was very, very noticeable here, I guess, because... The last couple of years, I've been attending mainly more smaller indie conferences, which have gone very much down this um, wider uh, holistic route. Um, it was quite interesting to be at a conference that was was uh, um, that, that, that was more tech focused, uh, in, and and it was quite refreshing as well to sit down and, and, and see some sessions and, and go through that. And the conference was excellently run, and there was some really good stuff on, some great speakers. Um, it's I'm going to be totally I struggle with the multi-track because you always feel like you're missing out hmm. it doesn't matter how good the session you are in is perma FOMO yeah you're always you're always wondering is the session next door one I really should be in um, and so it's a case of you know the, the organisers are working very hard to give you more and in some cases you know possibly even creating sort of dissatisfaction whereas if it was the only if i you know some of the sessions i sat in were excellent um in fact all the sessions i sat in were good there, were, there weren't any bad sessions that, uh, that i sat in anyway um i can't speak for the whole conference because i didn't see them all uh but it's like you know and, and if it had been the only session going on i'd have been more more than satisfied but i also knew there was another great session going on just down the hall or, or whatever else and it's and it, um Yes, it was an interesting one. I'm just wondering how much that reflects through sometimes into uh, into the way we you know we, we look at devices or our applications because you know sometimes this you know this, this is very much an Apple philosophy, isn't it? Less is more. You know, pick one way, uh, do it that one way, and and don't give people lots of choice because um, you know it, it creates confusion. And we used to see that very much with Apple Apple devices. And I think one of the things that has changed under the Tim Cook era within Apple is, um, you know, there are now, you know, 
27 different choices of iPad or whatever it is. Um, and it gets more complicated. And I'm just wondering how, you know, much harder that makes people in the app store to be able to sell an iPad when they can't just say, well, there's this one or this one. Now it's got to be you know, this one or this one or this one or this one. So yeah, that was quite interesting, but um, it was great to catch up with uh, um, some people I knew. And equally, it was great to meet new people because obviously you go to a conference that you've never been to before. Um, I've been trying to get to 360 iDev since the very first one oh, um, and never made it. So you know, it's only taken me seven years. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, I should, you know, 2000 and, you know, whatever, 23 or whatever, I might make it again um, if, I can't, if I don't get better. Um, but of course, because it, it had a different audience to the conferences I've been going to in Europe. So met some new people. Um, and, uh, find a very, um, you know, and, and it's always great meeting people and sort of discovered really that, you know, now this might've just been to do with the demographic at the conference, uh, as opposed to the state of the industry, but most of the people there were being paid as developers to write software as opposed to living off the revenue of their software so they, mm-hmm. they were writing brand presences that sort of stuff um and it was very hard to find people who who were living off their software there were obviously some some of them were the speakers and there were some excellent talks on some of that stuff uh, very well attended so i guess even if um people aren't doing it there's lots still lots of aspiration to do it but uh yeah by far but again i'm wondering if that's because it's a tech conference and to justify going and everything you need someone to be paying therefore of course you're working for somebody who's doing it so that could just be the because of the type of conference but overall um john and nicole brilliant job running 360 idev um you know you you know, the conference you are trying to put on you put on very very well um and it obviously has a an audience who love it and keep coming back um uh, they moved to a new location this year which is a conference organizer i know is a, always a, a big deal but it seemed to work out very very well um, and everyone said it was better than the old location, which I can't comment on because I've never been there. And um, everyone had a great time. So um, it was good. I got to see Denver for the first time. Never been to Denver before. Seems a very, uh, very nice city. Um, and uh, cool. Apart from it did rain when I was there. You know, I don't like it when it rains places. It's not supposed to rain that much when I'm there because it just, <laughs> just makes me feel like it's my fault that I've brought it with me. It's clearly it is. So, Scotty, you know something else I did after I left Amsterdam? What did you do, John? Well, I, 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 I went back and I, uh, I went to Bletchley Park. Have you ever been to Bletchley Park? I have been to Bletchley Park. We used to, um, uh, we used to run uh, a day here in the summer called NS Barbecue. And, ah. um, and every year we would meet up somewhere and we would do a day trip together as a bunch of nerds. And then we would camp overnight and eat barbecue and drink beer and just chew the fat, I say. And um, one of our very early NS barbecues, we haven't done one for two or three years now. And there was, I haven't been for a little longer than that because I just missed the days. One of our very early ones was we did Bletchley Park and it was brilliant. Hmm. Yeah. Honestly, I think that that if you are a nerd, you owe it to yourself to go there. And and I I will I wrote a little bit about it, but I think that that I don't know when you were there if they had the the people who were recreating a, a, a bomb uh, from scratch. Or they had some plans and found some little bits and pieces, but they they actually have been have have a working version of it, which is pretty astounding. And one little interesting fact I learned is that uh, the calculation capabilities of the bomb with thirty six rotors uh, was 
more powerful than any processor that existed until around 2007, I think was the date when the, the first 64-bit multi-core processors came out, which is pretty amazing. I mean, yes, it's a huge, huge device, but that to me is pretty interesting that uh, they were able to have that type of computing power so many years ago. The other thing that I found uh, compelling was uh, Google had a, a little kind of panel uh, at the at the very exit. Um, and I guess it's been there for a while, but they, they've they've done a bunch of fundraising. But they basically said, "Why do we care about this?" And, and their, their basic gist of it was is that they're you know they said that it's quite likely that without Alan Turing in particular and 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 Bletchley Park, you know, uh, who knows whether a company like Google could have existed. But that the other thing too is that they very much appreciated the fact that it was it was precisely the diversity of, of people that were working there that allowed them to 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 to, to find holes to to, to in, in Enigma and and the, the the workings of it that might not be found if you had a bunch of people who might be brilliant but only looked at a problem from one angle and so that that, that was something that they sought to replicate they they saw that as a huge value which I thought was very interesting so go to Bletchley Park there's my little yeah I guess I guess I mean there may be some people who have no idea what Bletchley Park is, but um, oh, sorry. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm just. I, 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 whenever you mention it to people, they seem to know. But just in case, you know, Bletchley Park is is a location. Uh, it's a sort of, a, I guess, it's an old house and grounds in the UK where, um, during the Second World War, uh, the British intelligence services sought to crack the code that the, of the German Enigma machines that uh, was used between um, the, for the Germans to communicate with their forces. And this is where Alan Turing invented his Turing machine, which did all the code breaking. Um, and this is where it all went on. Um, if you don't know any of that story, then there is a movie called The uh, Imitation Game, I think it's called, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. uh, which is a reasonably historically accurate version of events. Um, you know, allow a little bit for Hollywood, um, but uh, but in there. And uh, this location is there. And the, the, the amazing thing is, and I don't think you could do this these days, um, is even... 10 years months after the war had finished and certain other work was going on there, nobody, not even the locals in the town, knew what this place was being used for. They just thought it was some office type place or whatever else and no one had any idea there was secret stuff going on there, um, which is you know fascinating. I think you know virtually impossible to pull off these days type of that. But it's a fascinating day out looking at more of the background of this history. But equally, there's a history of computing museum there as well yeah. on the site, which has... Um, some uh, you know, uh, computers from way back, and they've even got uh, the Colossus, one of the very, very mm-hmm. early computers, is actually running. And um, you, well, you they make you believe it's running. They could just be running a ticker tape through it constantly, <laughs> and no one would have any idea if it was running or not, because that's all it's all it, all it does is produce ticker tape um, and read ticker tape. Uh, but it's just, uh, especially with some nerd friends, if you want to sort of organise a nerd trip, brilliant. It's a great place to go. Um, and it's full of history and relevance. Um, but it's not just for nerds, because I, I know a lot of uh, uh, nerds take their partners and their families uh, with them, and uh, you know they always seem to enjoy it as well. So yeah, if you get a chance, yeah. go check it out. Indeed, indeed. So, John, talking about uh, enigmas and mysteries that need cracking, um, some some stuff came out of the uh, about the App Store yesterday. 
Indeed, I guess they're trying to to crack the fact that they, uh, you know, the selling point of the million plus apps that are on there is now turned into a, you know, maybe not necessarily a feature. So uh, Apple sent out a, a an email to developers warning, well, warning them, telling them that basically that your app has to be of a certain minimum quality, and it has to be maintained. Otherwise, it's getting its ass booted out the App Store. Which, amen to that, as far as I can. Uh, as far as I'm concerned. Now, remind me, I have I did read the email yesterday, um, and maybe I'm being unfair here because I just get to speak next, and so uh, I get to put you on the spot. Um, did they define what maintained was? No, they didn't, but I think that what what it is is that if, if it doesn't take advantage of, of at least some technologies from the last year, um, I think that they will kick it out. And I think the other thing, too, is is I, I, I have no idea about numbers. I mean, certainly... Uh, it's possible to have older versions of the app that are, are you know limited to certain older versions of the OS, um, and so I think they, they may say you know they're going to boot those out. That's I would say if your app only kind of supports I don't know who knows iOS six iOS seven maybe they would start booting it out. And it it wasn't really kind of clear what they said by boot you know. Uh, Booting out is not the term that they use, but basically, it, it sounds to me, if nothing else, they would kind of, at the bare minimum, remove it from search results, is, is my guess. And they, they, they had other aspects to it as well. As they said, they're going to cap the the app name to, to 50 characters because there were lots of people who took advantage of the fact that you could have, uh, I think, a fairly unlimited length name, and people would kind of try to game the, the search results using that. Um, so the, yeah, they've been basically saying that you know the, that that uh, it's not enough just to be able to say that you have an app; it has to be of of, of quality and, and use and 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 be maintained. And I think that the best take of it is was you know, undaring fireball is like I thought this was how they were doing it all along. So okay, so just following the FAQ through from the email, um, they're going to begin this process on the seventh of September. Um, they're going to evaluate every app. Is what it's what it says. Um, I'm sure that's not true. Uh, I'm sure they wish. I'm sure no, I, that sounds wrong. I'm sure they're going to. I'm sure they're going to have some sort of um, algorithm and, and you know sort of po- probably start with the longer ago your app was last updated might be a good bet. Um, basically, they're going to re-review it, and it has to pass all current review guidelines. Mm. Um, now, I'm not. Um, sure whether that will include does it uh you know has it been built against the latest sdk because often the app store says you know um any app submitted after this date must have been built against you know the latest sdk um or whether that's just going to be look and feel guidelines um i would imagine it's going to be both uh so that's that's going to be interesting um and if they find problems you get 30 days to fix them so i guess the point is there by keeping that um to 30 days they they're saying if your app is like five years out of date and you've not done anything with it and it's and it's blasted you know you're not going to really get this thing back together in 30 days probably um and uh your app name will be removed um so your app will be removed for sale but it won't be removed for current users so anyone who's currently got the app will continue to be able to download it um, the app name won't be removed, so your app name will still be reserved, um, so it will still be associated with you. Uh, people who, if your app has in-app purchases, people who already have it will still be able to buy in-app purchases. Um, and uh, that's it. So, I, do, you know, what do you think of this overall? I mean, personally, I think it's a very positive thing. Yeah, who could possibly complain other than people who have bunches of shitty apps? And But 
I, I don't think if you have a, a shitty app, sorry, a, a suboptimal app, it's not doing anything for you. I mean, I think there's no there's no glory. I mean, I think maybe there was a period of time saying, yeah, I got five apps on the app store and that might have somehow seemed impressive. But I think now an app, so what? You know, everybody and their mother has an app. I mean, this is a topic for a whole other discussion it's like our wither apps. Are apps are apps as as important as they were even a year or two ago? No. Yeah, I, that's uh, maybe we can discuss that soon. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's not clear. I, I'm guessing this is just on the iOS app store. It doesn't mention the Mac app store at this stage, or, or it might be both stores. So I'm, but I'm guessing at the moment it's just the uh, just the app store. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how many apps get re- removed from sale. Based on based on this, yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's going to be millions, isn't it? Really, probably. Well, I mean, that would be the other interesting question: is will Apple reveal actual numbers on it? Because is is it in their interest? I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. And uh, maybe a slightly more challenging change that comes with this is the um, shorter app names. That um, from going forward, your app name can be no longer than fifty characters, which is going to stop people calling something my app for doing this, 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 and this, like my competitor's app, this, this, and this, and this do names to make the search better. Um, uh, So uh, that's going to get rid of a lot of these um, long, long app names. Got any thoughts on that? I, I think that that's something that, that harms no one other than people who tried to game the system. So no, no, no complaints there. You are a very compliant man, John. That's, um, no, but I mean, I, th- I mean, honestly, the, you know, the, Apple has an interest in, in in maintaining quality. I think that that I think there there had been a time when they could say, you know, it, the App Store is so much better on on for Apple platform than it is for Android because we have you know a million apps or X number of million apps and and so many apps that are optimized for for tablet. And I think that that you can't really say that anymore. I think that the, the I'm sure the numbers are, are, are similar. Who knows? Maybe that by now that there are, you know, the same number of possibly more of, of, of Android apps. You know, I, I don't think the numbers game numbers really say anything anymore. No, no. Well, Quality I think this basically. is, I think this is a good move. Um, I suspect it's, um, you know, it's, it sort of reflects the current Apple thing of, they seem to be not just progressing from you know what they believe is is right although they obviously i don't think they do anything they believe is wrong but they do seem to be basing some of those uh, journeys that they're going on on what uh, developers are saying which is um you know not going to get too excited and think that apple has suddenly become a really developer friendly company but they I would say they are definitely more influenced today than they were several years ago. Well, and, and I think that a message that's been heard loud and clear is like, if there's such a sea of stuff, how can we possibly make ourselves visible? I mean, the thing that's not discussed in this, it, maybe it's not relevant, but the fact that you can now kind of, you know, purchase purchase search results or purchase keywords or basically you can purchase advertising, which all these things make sense. I think, I think, we should consider talking about this, you know, in, in another episode. We're gonna we're we're gonna commit right now on air to talking about, you know, do apps work anymore? Apps versus platforms, perhaps. So Yep. Totally true. So right, we're uh, running out of time. Um by next time we record, um hopefully if we record next week, uh I'm at um speaking at iOS Dev UK. Um a uh, conference in Aberystwyth, Wales over here. So I'm hoping that I can get a 
uh, a decent enough internet connection for us to record. Um, but uh, it should be a couple of hours after the uh, next Apple event. So come on, John. That's right. Let, let's put ourselves on the line. Not that we're you know actually that interested in, in these hardware events as such as a but we are interested, you know what I mean? We're not we're not the, the, the tech press who are the most interested, but give us your prediction, John, just so we can show next week how wrong we are. Uh, I think that they're going to come out with a six-inch Apple Watch with 4K video and, and, and you know, super fast as possible cell, cell connections. <laughs> I think just for once, John, you may be more wrong than I'm about to be, just for once. <laughs> Uh, this is what I, basically I'm giving the last talk of the day, um, uh, iOS dev UK, and I'm talking a little bit about, uh, the state of the history of development and, and where I think it's going. And, um, it will be really useful to my talk if Apple concentrate quite heavily on the iPad as well, um, <laughs> next, mm. next week. Um, I, I think, you know, the phone is the phone, it's the release and, you know, nothing changes. Um, you know, it may have a new shape, it may not have a new shape, it may have an earbud port, it may not. And I don't think uh, as developers, any of that is massively relevant to us. It might be to Apple sales and the analysts and everything. But I think, you know, um, the point is iOS 10 is what's relevant to us. And then there's often a, a sneaky new feature that comes in on the phone that we haven't seen at DubDub. And, you know, that may be the most awesome thing ever. It may be just a... Uh, yeah, I think uh, like 3D Touch was the one one on the, I was at the six or the six S, I can't remember, um, hmm. that was suddenly introduced. But um, I'm interested to see if Apple uh, are going to push this pro aspect more to to the iPad um, and begin to you know Apple very much have been about the iPad is just a bigger phone um, without the phone in. Uh, and I'm I'm sort of beginning to sense over the last couple of years, uh, or the last year at least, they're beginning to push the iPad as a sort of a uh, closer to a PC replacement device than a, than just a pure mobile device. And I'm you know I'm interested to see if we get any uh, anything um, announced on that. Now there's been nothing in iOS 10 spe- iPad specific announced for it, but maybe that's because. There needs to be some hardware changes or something. Or maybe the iPad, it's only, you know, the iPad Pro is only seven, eight, nine months old, the nine, you know, the, the 9.7 inch one. Maybe nothing will happen, but um, I'd like to see just some sort of signs that uh, the, the iPad is something that's going to be a slightly different direction for Apple. Because I think that's realistically it is developers of uh, mobile applications, I think, going forward the ipad is where there can be opportunities to write some decent sized apps with some you know decent pricing that do some decent things um if you want to be an indie developer that's my gut feeling of about you know going forward as an industry um and i'd just like to see something that sort of confirms or maybe you know even useful to deny that at this stage i'd also love to see some laptops but i'm pretty sure we're not going to see those because you know the apple laptop line is just embarrassing at the moment and i need a new laptop and i just can't get one Nope. We'll have to wait. Well, John, All right. let's wrap this thing up. Where can people find you? Give us your you name, can... address, and telephone number. Uh, my name is uh, Steve Scotty Scott, and you know, my name is John Fox. You can find me on the Twitters as Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And my name is Scotty, and you can find me on Twitter as MacDevNet. Uh, if you want to pick up any of the links in the show, you can find the show notes at uh, ideveloper.co. And if you want to get back to us, feedback at ideveloper.co is the best way to um, talk to us. 
John, it's been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully we'll get to talk next week. And um, thank you for listening, everyone. Until next time, you take care. We'll be right back.